How many of you like Coke? How many of you like Pepsi? How many of you can tell the difference between Coke? Immediately. I can, I can. <laughs> you can't tell them apart. Come on. Can you really? Can you really tell them? You can't tell them apart, but you are convinced that one is better than another. I, I understand this. I understand this. I don't know what to say about you. Diet, diet and regular Coke, can you tell them apart? You cannot tell them apart. You cannot tell them apart. The one of them is better for you, right, than another. Ah. Well, this kind of mishmash of competitive, uh, comparative, comparative thinking is, uh, is what our scripture is about today. And it uses the illustration of a tree and its fruit, and a healthy tree produces tasty fruit, and an unhealthy tree produces poor fruit. And Jesus makes the, uh, the analogy of people and faith with this pretty clearly. Faithful people produce good fruit. Unfaithful people uh, do not produce good fruit. And good fruit reveals faithful people. Bad fruit reveals unfaithful people. Jesus says we are known, we are known by our fruit. So if we cannot get too anxious about that, let's just kind of dig in here to Jesus' lesson for us today. Are you appreciating going lesson by lesson through Jesus' teaching in Scripture? Sometimes they're um, so self-evident, and other times they're kind of tricky, and sometimes they're disturbing if we take them seriously. We'll see where you end up today with this passage. For a choice tree does not produce rotten fruit any more than a rotten tree produces choice fruit. This is a different translation of the same passage. For each tree is known by its fruit. Figs are not gathered from thorns, nor are grapes picked from brambles. The good person produces good from the fund of good in their heart. And the evil person produces evil from the evil within. After all, out of the surplus of the heart, the mouth speaks. Now, there's some similar sayings to this in the Old Testament. We thank Jeremiah. We can go to two passages in Jeremiah. In chapter 17, he said, I, the Lord, test the mind and search the heart to give to all according to their ways, according to the fruit of their doings. And in chapter 21, we read, I will punish you according to the fruit of your doings, says the Lord. Now, as scholars look at the passage before us, they think that Jesus is involved in this passage 
That's always good to know, isn't it? Oh. There's a thought here that the general kind of thrust of the passage, well, that, that was kind of uh, a common uh, bit of understanding and advice. It's in Jeremiah. It's in other places as well. But scholars think that Jesus most likely said this or said something very much like this because of that, that stark contrast of grapes coming out of bramble bushes. No, 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 right? And figs coming out of thorns. The, the, uh, the unique contrasting of that make some of these scholars think, well, you know, that probably did come from Jesus. So once again, thank God, we are at the foot of Jesus listening to these words, taking them to heart. The early church did. I think we would be wise to do that. They taught themselves that these sayings reflected Jesus' desire for them. They took these things to heart. In fact, they took them a little more strongly to heart. We read in Hebrews a little bit stronger of a, uh, a little bit more like Jeremiah's version in Hebrews. Hebrews in, in chapter 6 focuses not just on fruits of discipleship, but on the problem of those who have believed and then later fell away from their faith with a clear warning. These folks will be punished and damned. It's like my cherry tree in the backyard. Two summers ago, we had cherries, and this year we had none. What's going on? Ground that drinks up the rain, that falls on it repeatedly, and that produces a crop useful to those for whom it is cultivated, receives a blessing from God, Hebrew writes. But if it produces thorns and thistles, it is worthless. And on the verge of being on the verge of being cursed. Its end is to be burned over. So the gospel even sneaks in here in Hebrews a little bit. It's on the verge of being cursed, but it's not cursed yet. There's still time. They couldn't help themselves. The gospel got in there as well as the judgment of Jeremiah. This saying is used twice in the gospels. One time, like we heard today, it, it's bad fruit revealing false prophets, kind of a, a thought. And in Luke, it's just teaching, teaching a truth about discipleship. A person of faith will produce good fruit. Just hold on to that, right? A person of faith will produce good fruit. Solid fruit is an indicator of good faith. Fred Craddock, who a lot of uh, clergy in my generation just loved, he had a way of of making sense of this, he wrote, one's word, sooner or later, will reveal character. Just as surely and naturally as the appearance of fruit announces the kind of tree bearing it. 
whether one likes it or not, what one produces is finally a product of what one is, of who one is. Our lives bear witness to our character and to our faith. Don't be misled by lies and wishful thinking or conspiracies or groupthink or superstitions. Don't be misled by all of that kind of stuff. Our lives bear witness to our character and to our faith. One of our dear-hearted parishioners keeps coming up to me and says, it's by what people do. It's by what they do, not what they say. So maybe you want to take out uh, a piece of paper and a pencil, or, or maybe you want to grab uh, one of the offering. Well, yes, grab an offering envelope. And, um, but instead of putting money in it right now, you might want to take some notes, because I'm going to run through something real quick that might be handy for you if you're kind of wondering, well, how so, Jesus? What's the deal on this? Well, those followers of Jesus had a pretty clear idea of what Jesus meant by fruit of the Spirit. It's, it's not as deep a mystery as we might think. It's not so relative as, as we might suppose. In Romans, what did Paul think were markers of faithfulness as revealed in fruit? Well, in Romans, he talks about true Christians, and he writes that they will have these qualities. They'll have genuine love, genuine love, goodness, hope, patience, perseverance. Am I talking too quickly? Bless you that are writing these down. Hospitality, being Peaceable charity to others. <laughs> There's five of these, Heidi. Genuine love, goodness, hope, patience, perseverance, hospitality, being peaceable, charitable to others. 1 Corinthians 13, Paul writes about unselfish love as a marker of faithfulness. How does he characterize that? Here are some words. Patience. We've heard that before. I guess patience is a pretty big thing, huh? Patience. Kindness. Be kind. Have you seen those signs? Just be kind, they say. And I think, you know, that's not a bad thing to have on your front lawn. Be kind. Not envious, not boastful, not arrogant, not rude. Goodness defined by negatives here, right? 
not irritable, not resentful. So a bunch of knots there. It's the, the other side of those knots which we're trying to aspire to. Not envious, not boastful, not arrogant or rude, Paul writes. Not irritable or resentful. Now, if you go home today still upset at your spouse over something, you didn't listen to Paul. Opportunity for some work in this. Go home with a different attitude. Ephesians. Rules for the new life. That's the way this is worded. Again, truth speaking, not dissembling. Truth speaking. Graceful speech. Being kind and tender-hearted. I see some of you don't need to write these down because you've got them already in your life. Put away bitterness is in Ephesians. And put away some other things. What are they? Wrath, anger, wrangling, wrangling, slander, and malice. So what are good fruit of the spirit of a life of faith? Well, in Philippians, it's imitating Christ's humility. Having love, having the love and the mind of Christ. Now, I take that mind of Christ meaning that you're trying to understand what's around you with the way Jesus would think it through. The way Jesus would perceive it and make sense of it. That's what I think the mind of Christ means. I don't know. Does that make sense? Looking after other people's interests is in Philippians 2. Not just your own. And then in Colossians, we have this list of what a new life in Christ is like. Again, characteristics of what this fruit of, of faith in one's life would look like. Get rid of impurities, evil desires, greed, anger, abusive language. Okay. Some of these sound familiar. We've heard them before, right? And have compassion, kindness, Humility, meekness, patience, love, and gratitude. So these are all, in, in my mind, as I was digging these out, I was thinking these are all markers. These are all kind of markers that would help us understand what, what good fruit tastes like, what good fruit looks like in a human life. It would look like these things. It would not look like some of these things. That's how you'd know good fruit from bad fruit, right? A helpful list of things. If you see yourself being more like this and, and less like that, you might think, well, that's good. Or you might think, oh, that's not so good. 
right? These are, these are good kind of markers to have because our lives are not over yet and there still is time for fertilizer around our roots for our branches to blossom, for good fruit to grow. Jesus' markers were less about these self-qualities and a little bit more about relationship qualities, forgiveness towards others, turning the other cheek rather than striking back at someone that hurts you. Caring for the least of these. Humility in, in public piety. So, if you've got a good list, bless your heart. Thank you for being attentive. If you didn't take any of it down, easy, quick memory tool. What's a great summation of this? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength, with all your spirit, and your neighbor as yourself. Just grab onto that. Put it in your pocket. Go home with it. Quick summation of a long list of how to be kind compassionate, graceful, truthful. I get a sense in reading this that, that oftentimes these qualities, this, this, uh, this lesson of Jesus is used on how to, how to make sense of this prophet, this this person, this other person talking and telling us what to do as the early church, giving us insights about what it means to be in the spirit of Christ or to love God. And, and these qualities are used to discern whether that is a false prophet or a true prophet. They may be saying stuff that sounds like maybe, uh, maybe, uh, maybe that's right, I don't know, I'm not really sure. And then, then your buddy comes along and says, well, look at his fruit. How does he really live? Is he compassionate? Is he kind? Is he gentle? Is he blah, blah, blah. Qualities. Does he, does he live up to the fruit of the Spirit? And that's how we'll judge as to whether he is a prophet or not. kind of used as a method of judging one's sincerity. Did you, did you know that in Puritan time you could not be a member of a church if you did not have a radical conversion experience to Jesus and that you had to come through the doors and convince the congregation of it? Then we got a little lax and we decided you just had to convince the clergy of it. Then we changed things too. But there was a point where you had to, you had to have all the mojo to even come in the door and to be a member, and to receive the elements. But that was all out of the mouth, wasn't it? And it became an issue. Well, are they really regenerated souls? Or are they just sounding like regenerated souls? These Puritans asked each other. And so then there became these tests of looking at how they behaved. And you had to live up to these certain characteristics. They were into this, but they were kind of losing the deep spiritual uh, 
grace of this. They were looking for judgment rather than opportunities of grace and redemption. So maybe there's some good wisdom in just letting, letting that bit of judgment making go. Although we do want to have some kind of discernment whether we want to listen to people or not, right? Whether they're telling the truth or not. But kind of let that judging business go and just turn the spotlight on ourselves. And maybe the great wisdom of this teaching is not to identify and take down false prophets as much as it is to help us grow in the spirit. And how might we help ourselves by looking at our fruit, the fruit of our spirit? So here's some great self-reflection questions. Do we bear the fruit of the Spirit? I know it's not Lent, um, but still, it's not a bad time to do this, to kind of reflect upon our spiritual well-being. Do we reflect fruits? All those qualities that we heard read, are any of those ours? As others look at us, do we represent Christ Jesus well? Or, or kind of well, or, or somewhat? Could others tell that we're followers of Christ Jesus by looking at us, by observing our fruit? It's like that old Amish guy who was asked if he was a Christian. He replied by saying, you're going to have to ask my neighbor. Right on, huh? Right on. What is required of a disciple is not cosmetic alteration, but a genuine goodness of heart. There is a consistency between who one is and what one does. The inner and the outer, the invisible and the visible. And discipleship of Christ Jesus aims at both of those. The inner well-being and the outer manifestation. Purity of heart and deeds of of love. The consequence of both being a congruence of who you are in the eyes of God and in your own eyes as you look at yourself. An authenticity a life of faith. If you stood outside yourself and looked at yourself, do you ever do that every once in a while and just kind of take a look at yourself and you say, boy, you really dress like a slob? Or, you know, how could you go out looking like that? Or, you know, you do have an angry-looking face in repose. 
Do you ever look at yourself and kind of say, how am I experienced? How would I describe myself as I look at myself? What do I see? And how might I blossom more fully into that aspiration I have of myself? Because there is still much time left in the power of the Spirit for us to further blossom into that fullness of faith. Unless we're already Jesus. And if you are, let me know. I need to know that. But if you're not, then there's still room, right? Still room to grow, to grow in the Spirit. And our fruit will be indicators of the status of our faith. So look at your fruit and nurture your faith. Amen.